Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where I interview a debut author about their reading and writing history, what inspires them, their debut book from Genesis to editing it, and from querying agents to finally selling it. If you like what you hear here, check us out on daybeautiful.net and follow us on social media at daybeautiful. Today's guest is a UK-based author of English and Caribbean descent. She has written for Vogue magazine, and her debut novel, Sugar Baby, has already taken the UK by storm and is out now in America. Please welcome Celine St. Clair. Celine, thank you so much for joining the Beautiful podcast. I just read your official bio, but I'm curious, what is your unofficial bio? Who is the real Celine? It's actually a very hard question, isn't it? Um, the real Celine is interested in telling stories and having as much fun as possible at all times and putting off getting an adult job for as long as humanly possible. That is the I- real Celine. I appreciate that. I put off getting an adult job. I'm 34 as we're recording this. So it'll be 30. I'll be 35 by the time the podcast comes out. And I still feel like I'm not an adult. I worked at summer camps at bookstores. Uh, and now I work at a nonprofit, which is a real job, but try to put it off as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good thing if you feel like you're not an adult, because it's like you're actually you're already enjoying your mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're you your birthday is before this comes out does that mean you're a Sagittarius I'm a Capricorn a Capricorn yes yes I am yeah the beginning of January uh so a few days before your book comes out in America um which is Sugar Baby we should talk about your book baby yeah Uh, (laughs) Sugar Baby uh not that we weren't going to talk about it but I I want to start with uh yeah just you telling us in America, because everyone in the UK has already read this amazing book. Um, but what is it? What is the Sugar Baby about? Pitch it to uh, your American audience. Okay, great. So Sugar Baby is about a young woman called Agnes. Um, she's raised in a very religious, strict household. Um, she's doing a job that she's not really invested in. She's kind of cleaning, figuring out what she wants to do with her life. And then she meets a glamorous kind of part-time model called Emily who introduces her to the idea of sugaring or being a sugar baby like dating wealthy older men for money and she kind of goes on this adventure um, having fun um, also coming to terms with what she thinks and feels about herself um, how she feels about her relationships with men and women and um, yeah it's a it's a coming of age story in a way um but in a kind of different way i think than than is out there through yes. this kind of yeah yeah venture into sex work yeah the idea of sex work is something i think america especially maybe the rest of the world is more progressive but america is becoming more understanding and open about women and their bodies I say that and then think about like the restrictions that have been put in place by certain political figures. But just as a general, you know, sex work is, is not like a joke anymore or like a a sitcom punchline. Yeah. 
has yeah, yeah, I, and I've seen that. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, in the response, because when I wrote it, I knew that it would be, or I was sure myself that it was going to be controversial. Um, but I've actually been really surprised and pleasantly surprised by the kind of open mindedness that lots of people have brought to it. Um, and seem to be applying to sex work in general. So it's really good and encouraging to see and surprising, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Sugar Baby has been out for half a year, roughly, in the UK. And yeah. I actually want to talk about that first. We'll talk about the nerves and the jitters and the press and everything that happened. Sugar Baby UK version. How was it for you? when that all happened months and months ago? Um, it was, honestly, it was a weird thing because it's just so, um, I'm sure you speak to a lot of debut authors and you know it's kind of like, it's a weird thing where it's, you're so involved with a book and then when you're waiting for it to come out, it's just completely out of your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have like a, I have a two book deal in the UK, so with quite a close, deadline for my second book so I was just focusing on that completely and then as the deadline was getting closer for uh, Sugar Baby coming out I was thinking like oh my god a a book's actually gonna come out like it didn't really feel real until the day to be honest Um, and then I was seeing it in bookshops and I don't know it's it still doesn't really feel like real for me at all Mm -hmm. and now you have to do it all over again for a country 3,000 miles away. In America, we think we're like the most important, you know, country and we're the center of Hollywood and the publishing world. But you did it already. But how does it feel having to now do it again? Um, It feels, honestly, this time around, I feel better about it. I think mm-hmm. because I had a bit more time for it to sink in and I'm kind of like, I'm enjoying it a bit more now, like seeing like kind of press pieces come out and I'm like, I feel like I'm more in the moment to enjoy being in mm. debut. So it's it's nice. Yeah. I'm glad I've got these two kind of staggered events. So that's Yeah, I, I was just talking to another like person who covers the book world and we were just saying how, you know, we'll listen to an an author on two different podcasts or two different interviews and just how much they authors grow answering questions because you get the same questions yeah. over and over and over again. Um, do you feel like are you I know like you mentioned before we were recording that this is your first American uh, press or whatever happening do you feel like yeah whatever like are you you're you're in the moment and you calm or is there some nerves I think there's I think there's always some nerves mm-hmm. definitely um, you just kind of want to it's a weird thing because I guess you can't be wrong like it's not a test talking yeah. about your own your own work um that's what I tried to tell myself before but it's always kind of in the moment you want to give the best possible answer and not miss something out or say something stupid I think but yeah there's always a bit of nerves yeah no and and I'll stop focusing on nerves uh a lot of what David does yes yes I just wanted to really (laughs) drill it in that you should be no you should not be nervous no it's okay I've got two drinks I've got two drinks I've got one like Prosecco and one water oh see you're doing it right 
I love it. Um, so I'll talk about something way more casual, your childhood, um, or maybe it wasn't casual, who knows. But what I want to ask you is about like reading and writing. Like, how did you find interest in reading and writing? That is always my favorite question to ask writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't quite remember when it started, but I just know that for most of my um, childhood, and definitely being a teenager, I was writing like every day. Mm. I think it's just the way that I um, process life and like my feelings and what's happening around me. And also just for fun, I would just be like, sitting in class, like really bored and kind of like, let me describe this scene of being like in the medieval times in a fireplace and what I would be doing. It was just kind of like a fantasy escape. Um, and the same with books. I had books confiscated growing up for staying up all night, reading them, um, just things like that. Like it was just, it's just what I love to do. Um, I didn't really know or imagine that I would be able to do it for a career, but I, I know that whatever I was doing, I would still be writing and reading most of the mm-hmm. time, <laughs> as, mu- as much as I could, for sure. Yeah, when you were writing and like process, like that's how you process things, it was a lot of journaling yeah. or were you writing fictitious stories as a kid um a mixture of both honestly yeah Yeah. journaling and like writing stories like I've I've probably written like hundreds of stories and like beginnings of novels and my grandparents and my parents have like big folders of my stories and characters and stuff so yeah that's terrific and um you knew writing and reading would always be a part of your life. You have a degree in social anthropology. Yes. Yeah. Not I a do. writing degree. Well, I did actually go to university first to do English literature, um, but it wasn't for me at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy um, a prescribed reading rest um, and having to get through them so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there were only a couple of books that I, I probably enjoyed out of that big list of like 30 or 50 books I needed to read. Mm-hmm. And I didn't enjoy the lectures. I really felt like um, some people were like, their interpretation was right and other people's interpretation was wrong. And it's kind of like, well, this is all fiction. So it's not really, yeah. I knew that I was going to drop out pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. And then... What were the books that you did find interest in from that long list? Um, I think I definitely enjoyed um, the Shakespeare plays that we studied. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Romeo and Juliet, especially. I loved studying that like in depth. That was really um, fun and interesting for me. Um, what other books? It was a really long time ago now. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what the others were well that makes sense considering no, I've kind of you put knew it. <laughs> it wasn't for you yeah I yeah, felt the I same way I, I took a lot of oh, really? literature classes in college um I got a degree to be a teacher a high school teacher in America and okay. reading so fast was not fun I did not enjoy no. it we had a, I know you know, it was like entire books too in like a weekend. And I understand it's I understand it's possible, but not when you're like a 20-year-old kid who <laughs> has other things going on. Um, yeah, and it just wasn't for me. I I did not enjoy reading 
from the time I graduated, it took four years after I finished college to start reading for fun again. Like I just it like yeah, beat it out right? of me. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's it's really like it's a way to start off enjoying reading and then I feel like it just sucks it out of you completely because mm-hmm. it's like way too much. I mean, I'm sure so, people must enjoy it, but some people do, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. some, <laughs> some people must, but no, yeah, not for me. Uh, and so, so social anthropology, um, I think I might know how you'll answer this, but why that? What interests you in um, that field? Yeah, so social anthropology, I think, was, it was like my close second choice to doing English literature. Um, because I had like a small module in my high school of anthropology, and I was like, wow, I didn't know that you could study this. Because it's the kind of thing that I'd always been interested in, just like... Um, different cultures across the world and different belief systems and how different societies function with like various customs and like uh, the their view of the world um, being different I didn't know you could study it so then when I dropped out of English lit I was kind of like I really want to do this um, and I did and it was one of the best decisions I've made it was so enjoyable um, and yeah I, it's as a writer I think you are just interested in people in general and it it is just an in-depth study of philosophy history psychology like all these things are mixed up so it's great yeah and while you were studying were you still writing fiction was it still something you were able to do yeah I was still writing um I wasn't really going into (laughs) university for my lectures and things sure it was just kind of like yeah I would just kind of catch up online or like occasionally go in but I was I was using as much time as I could to write and was sugar baby what you were writing yeah I was writing sugar baby yeah because I knew that like time was kind of ticking and as that third year was coming on I was kind of like you know if I don't finish a book and get it published I'm gonna have to get a job so it was like a real like push to finish it Terrific. Yeah. And uh, what was the genesis of Sugar Baby? Was it the idea of a sex worker? Did the character come fully realized? Uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, It was a mix of a lot of things. Um, When I was younger and I was going out a lot uh, in London, I met lots of girls who model, who do like um, bottle girl service and Mm -hmm. like their image girls at clubs. And they all kind of know about girls who are sugar babies or they've had like experiences like this um it was way more commonplace than I experienced than I expected and so I just kind of kept a, a journal um and I used a lot of that I don't know the idea just kind of just kind of formed like layer on layer um mm-hmm. an idea of a girl coming from a really sheltered religious background like coming into this kind of world and yeah, I was kind of like, no one to my, nothing I've read has been about this. So I'm going to do it and see mm-hmm. how, it, how it turns out. Yeah, I hadn't read anything quite like your book. I know there's some like media out there now, like the, I'm going to mess up the name, but like the Secret Lives of College Girls or the Sex Lives of College Girls was a show that was like touched on similar things. And yeah, your book was just a, the type of book that I like read quickly which I always enjoy um there's certain books that I like to sit and it takes me a while to get through but yours I was just like I need to know um 
and and your dialogue especially was so real um was oh. that something that comes natural to you or do you think that dialogue like you, you seem shocked that I complimented your dialogue yeah. <laughs> do you think yeah, you're like you. yeah is that um, something that you worked on a lot um not really I would I definitely have a thing like a kind of my pet peeve is really um like unrealistic dialogue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um like it's it's at a point where it's like if I'm watching a film or like it's like no human being has ever said that to someone else mm -hmm. so I'm definitely like I'm really conscious of it kind of when I'm writing it but also I, I feel like when I edit and I redo my scenes I'm like seeing it play like a film mm -hmm. um so I really want the dialogue to kind of be doing all its work like not over explaining like just fit in perfectly there in the scene um so I'm very conscious of it mm -hmm. yeah so I'm yeah. glad that it comes off yeah it was like I realistic mean, so many things I enjoyed but that stood out um and then especially like the use of like texting and like techno technological conversations throughout the book I enjoyed um oh, and yeah. I think maybe five years ago people would ask like oh like what like why did you choose to use a text message or an email? But like now it's so embedded in our conversational style. Like I, I talk more to authors on zoom than I do my real life friends, like in person, it's all texting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely, uh, um, it's, it's in your head when you're writing, like how much to use those kinds of devices and, and not because you get like, I have had criticism and, I know some people don't like that. Like they don't like it to feel like uh, dated by using text or emails or whatever. But it is so, if you exclude it from a book, that's a stylistic choice to mm -hmm. not reflect reality um, like in a big way. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's I've, I'm trying to get that balance with my next book as well. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because I feel so many people are afraid of pop culture references or texting or referencing a social media because it'll become archaic in three years yeah. or whatever. But like this is a point of time that you are capturing. Exactly. Like, it, it does exactly. not. Yeah, it does not need to be timeless in the sense that it could take place at any time. This is the story of Agnes yeah. in this time period. <laughs> Exactly. And actually, it was really important to me to use those pop culture references and references to like TikTok and YouTube mm -hmm. and stuff, because I feel like without this current world that we're in, that Agnes's world just wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Like you just wouldn't have these girls just running around and meeting people online. And like, it's a like, it, it's very na of now. So yeah. I had to create that. And no, I know exactly. some people hate it. <laughs> no, I, that's, I, I, mean, I that's know the, some people hate it. People could have their opinion, but they are wrong because that's what made this book feel so now. And so in, in five, 10, 15 years, people will look back and be like, yeah, that's exactly how it was. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, yeah. And I never talk about age and I'm not going to ask you your age, but you're, <laughs> you, it says when you were born on the back of the US book. So you are a younger millennial on the cusp of, gen z ish whatever the next generation is. uh yeah and, so, and like so tiktok i don't understand i know it's out there i know it's hot but even i don't understand it but in your book i got all the references so i think like people not yeah. getting um they, they they should get it even if they're not into it is just what i'm rambling about <laughs> um what 
did you want like you mentioned just having a sheltered girl like Agnes go through this world did you know kind of some story moments and beats you wanted her to go to or did you more let her dictate where you took the story I did have some beats that I definitely wanted to go in it um just some kind of like I mean it some of them I knew from the beginning and others came in like much later in the process like I don't know like a year or two years down the line but I I know there needed to be those moments of kind of wow and glamour and extravagance that makes this world so appealing to like a young woman like Agnes who haven't seen or experienced anything like this mm -hmm. um, so I, don't, I didn't want to be like spoiler of that like because some of it's quite yeah quite far down the line but um yeah I definitely sure. wanted there to be some some beats and I I know there had to be some moments where it's like a big kind of jolt of like oh my god like I can't let myself get carried away in this because you know this is a transaction and yeah yeah there are definitely it, like moments that... for sure and with those moments did you know kind of when they needed to take place uh and like were you writing to like okay in like three chapters four chapters I'm going to make this happen or were those moments movable based on how you were feeling or how Agnes was reacting to the world? I mean, everything's been moved around so many times in this novel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of my my editor. I worked first with my UK editor um, to do a pretty extensive edit, um, Sarah at Corbus. She was great. Um, just to give me... I wasn't coming as like a new writer pacing wasn't my strong point um so I needed help with the edits for that uh, so we took a lot of what we had and just kind of based it so it'd be a better reading experience um but yeah I I knew what I wanted it to I knew what, what I wanted moments to feel like that's the main way that I approached it mm. and yeah it was more the the pacing that we worked on um and then, you know, every layer, like more ideas came up of of scenes and yeah. kind of to refine the journey. But yeah, it, it's hard to answer like sure. in terms of plot because, God, I don't know. <laughs> it's a really long process yeah. with the editing on this book, especially. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm always interested in with, with books is... The, like the editing and how things got yeah. to where they are um you mentioned you wanted moments to feel a certain way and I always talk about books I connect with are all about the vibe like how do I feel yeah and that makes sense yeah. that like you cared about that as well because like that's why I love sugar baby so much um but I guess were there moments you wanted to make happen that you couldn't because it just wasn't working that like you like when you sat down you're like this has to happen and then it just never happens um yeah there's probably a few in that <laughs> mostly because I have so many ideas and I feel like I could have gone on with this book forever just just in terms of characters she could meet and places she could go and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a really long book everyone says like it's a, it's a long book and we cut so much out anyway um and we cut out yeah I mean I could have gone on I could have written a whole second book yeah. I just feel like there's so much like within that world and within like so many avenues you could take with all the different girls as well and like 
yeah, there's so much. I feel like, yeah, we cut out a lot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This book feels lived in. It's like, or I think around 300 pages. Um, and Agnes is a memorable character. I usually don't talk about character a lot on this pod, but yeah, she is just fun. I, they're messy. There's a lot you could love or hate about her, but memorable is definitely what I, I love about, about her. And yeah, yeah, you did a really good job about that. Um, you mentioned the editing process was long. Yeah, um, it was quite long. And so you mentioned there was a lot of cuts and a lot of moving. What was the hardest part about figuring out, okay, here's my manuscript to what it is now? Um... A lot. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think that um, it was really about when I first, when I had the original manuscript, it wasn't so, there weren't really the other girls featured as much. Um, they were just kind of like brief characters that came in. But then when I was working with my editor, she was like, you know, it's so interesting to have all these different girls. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, so we developed them a bit more and like then this friendship kind of came out more and it was just kind of like a we had lots of ideas about places it could go mm -hmm. um, and I just yeah it was really like I know some writers don't like working with an editor but for me like it was such a good experience like I really enjoyed having feedback um, and I think it definitely brought the best out in the book for sure definitely and and yeah. and I, I want to talk a little bit about the transition from a UK publication to an American publication. Um, what was that process like? So there's a new editor. Uh, what are are they just editing for like clarity for American audience or what was that process like? Um, it was really seamless for me. Um, so my US editor at Bloomsbury is Amber. Um, and when she came to the project, it was in like a very, very uh, late stage with the UK publisher. It wasn't finalized yet, mm -hmm. but it was at the point where she spoke to um, my UK publisher and my UK editor about like her input and what she envisioned and thought. So then at that kind of later stage, we were all working together. Um, and yeah, it was, it was pretty seamless. Um, I wasn't really aware of any changes that are made for a mm -hmm. US audience. I mean, I'm sure there's like some spelling and things mm -hmm. like that. But um no. Yeah. Nothing. I I I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. think many extra no, changes Yeah. I mean, th like yeah, I, I just find fascinating when you know a book is sold in the UK and America and two editors are involved at the same time uh and I, I'm glad it was seamless there's no juicy story which is always good you know no is there <laughs> is there sometimes a juicy story no I, mean, I haven't I had one yet but I'm waiting for one and I doubt I like can a, imagine <laughs> that yeah and I, I doubt there must be sometimes like behind the scenes yeah like, there's gonna be some kind of mm -hmm. but I doubt an author would ever reveal it you know <laughs> so I don't know why I ask <laughs> yeah. it but it's worth a shot um one thing I'm also fascinated in is covers um you have two covers now and I'm not uh they're both beautiful they're both gorgeous and I want you to just talk about how each captures what Sugar Baby is about in different ways because 
the UK version feels, I know there's like an, there's an ashtray and you almost don't notice it at first. It looks very like soft and innocent until you see like a bunch of stubbed out cigarettes. And then the American one is, you know, a face with like a water effect. But yeah. How does both capture what sugar Baby's all about? Okay. So the UK is kind of, um, as you said, it's, it's very feminine and, uh, pink and lighthearted and pretty on first glance um my publisher actually said from the UK that we needed to have that hand mirror on and like try and disguise the kind of grittiness of that crucifix and the cigarette butts mm-hmm. otherwise it might be a hot a harder sell because like my idea is always a bit more like <laughs> yeah let's have like a crucifix hanging in the middle and like all this and that and they're like no that's way too much so in a way it's I think it actually speaks more to Agnes's kind of upbringing and like you know the expectations of her and then like the real world that she wants to experience and it's you know all the cigarette butts is like all the girls and this kind of communal sense and there's an, a link to her kind of religious upbringing there and then you've got the mirror all this kind of um, focus on the girls appearances and dressing up and this that and the other um, the US cover um, there's lots of references to kind of um, looking out at the world um, and then the rain coming down and then you've got lots of different uh, times in the book where and the makeup is smudged and for various reasons and it's just kind of this it's like a mirage almost of a girl um, to do this blurred image with like a heavy makeup on and so yeah, I think they both they're so different. Um, but I love them both. I don't think they both really speak to kind of the themes of the book. So yeah. Yeah. I love um I love a good face cover. Like just yeah. I just like it's one of my favorite recurring things in the book industry. But then I had seen I saw your UK cover and I was like, oh, this actually I mean they're both gorgeous, but I the UK one, I was like, I see what I see what's happening here. This is really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're both gorgeous. Um you mentioned um, you had a two book deal. I'm not going to ask you what you're writing or about the process, but um, did you find it easy or difficult to be writing book two during your publicity for Sugar Baby UK and now you're doing it again? Because um, usually when I talk to writers, it's before they even publish book one, but you're kind of like oh. technically in limbo because you yeah. you published like a few months ago. But is it difficult doing these interviews and then having to go into creative mode for you? Um, yeah, it it has. And I've spoken to some other authors and they all say that book two is like a really big challenge, um, especially because so much of yourself goes into your debut and you have like no time limit. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like a, a labor of love and this kind of like dream project. And then book two is like, you know, deadline and um, pressure and also dealing with having your first book coming out mm-hmm. um but yeah no I've been through ups and downs with book two um taking long breaks and things mm-hmm. like that trying to kind of be more in the moment for my debut um but I'm in a really good place for that at the moment like making progress all the time so I'm yeah I'm I'm compartmentalizing a lot better now yeah. so that's good that's good yeah I am 
I couldn't imagine having to think about something you wrote years and years ago, in some cases, you know, before it's published and then trying to write something fresh. Um, when did, when was Sugar Baby, like the first words you wrote for, what year was that? Um, I want to say 20, the end of 2019. Like oh, yeah. COVID time. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, that's when I was like, okay, I'm making these these notes I had and all this sort of stuff into a novel. Um, and I just started it and didn't stop until it was done kind of thing. And, yeah. And when did it sell? When were you done with it? I know there's more editing, um, but. Yeah. So I sold it. Um, it must have been January must have been January 2022 I want to say mm -hmm. yeah yeah it must yeah I think so so like three <laughs> plus years yes. to write it give or take mm -hmm. including edits after and so when is and if you're allowed to talk about it, you could not answer but when is book two's like first or upcoming deadline like how how much time did you do you have in theory by a few, by I don't know how long, um, six or nine months. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I need to hand it in in the spring of yeah. 2024. Yeah. See, and I only ask because I think you know a lot of this podcast is debut, 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 and no one. I don't ask about book two, and it is a vastly different thing. Um, has your writing, has your approach to writing changed? You mentioned you're able to compartmentalize, but is it different now that there's time involved and there's a contract hanging over your head as opposed to I'm just a young person writing a book? Yeah, um, it is different. There, there's motivation, of course, because mm -hmm. you're like, people are going to read this, like this is <laughs> going to be published. Um, but sometimes it can feel stifling because you're like, there's a lot more pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, like you might read what you've written one day and be like I hate it <laughs> and then like you feel like you the next day it's really hard to get the courage up to write um, but I learned so much um, during the whole process of the first book because you're editing you have so many voices so much advice and you see kind of what really makes a plot work and like what your character showing your character's journey and it gives you confidence I think just writing such a long piece um I have like an idea in my head of of form and um plot points and character development that I didn't have like coming to a the second or third draft of a debut mm -hmm. so it's good it's it feels completely different in, yeah. in that sense oh I bet I, I'm so glad I got to talk to you and I'm so glad that your publishers did a staggered release so I can ask these types of questions because I never get to ask them. And so I thank you for revealing like what writing a second book is like for the day beautiful audience because we rarely get to hear it on this podcast. Um, I always wrap up by asking like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you enjoying now? Okay. Great. And I actually wrote these down because... I love it. I, <laughs> or never I'm asked what I'm reading. I'm kind of like, I can't remember the author's Stay, name. I go I... blank for them. 
100% I fr freeze up when someone asks me what I'm currently reading because I also don't want to say a book that's coming out eight months from now. I want to recommend someone they could go to a bookstore and grab. And I forget what month I'm in. I'm like, I don't know, like Sugar Baby, but they can't get it in America yeah. <laughs> until like a month from now. When, you know, anyway. But yes, what are you enjoying? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> it's it's like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading, and I know this came out a while ago, but I just got into it and I really like it. Um, if I Had Your Face by mm. Francis. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, you know about for women in Seoul, Korea. Um, it's pretty interesting to me because uh, I know I write about um, beauty and beauty standards and that kind of pressure and how that affects your life as a young woman, and that's it forms like a, a basis of that novel. And the writing is great. I've only just started it, but I'm loving it so far. Mm -hmm. And then I'm rereading one of my favorite books of all time. Um, the Swans of Fifth Avenue by hmm. Melanie Benjamin. I have not read that. I'll have to add it to my list. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. And I know they're doing, um, Brian Murphy uh, has a, I think a series coming out about the same characters. It's like Truman Capote's Swans, um, which I'm so excited about. I decided to reread this just kind of <laughs> to prepare myself for the series. But yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment. I want to thank Celine so much for coming on the Day Beautiful podcast to discuss her debut novel, Sugar Baby, which is out now and you can get at your favorite independent bookstore. You can follow her on the internet at CelineSaint.com, on Twitter at C St. Clair, and on Instagram at Celine St. Clair. You can follow me, Adam, at Cabbage on all social media. And you can find Day Beautiful at DayBeautiful.net and at DayBeautiful, again, on all social media. And as always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.